The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drives, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans, to another edition of Hive Talk Live here on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker, Miss Universe 2015. <laughs> Are you sure? That's what they told me. That's what they told me. <laughs> That's what Steve Harvey it told me. the talent portion that won it for me. Hey, guys, check us out on Twitter at Hive Talk Live and on the internet at HiveTalkLive.com 24-7, 365, Doug. Yeah, absolutely. HiveTalkLive.com. You can listen to us every Tuesday live at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time or subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher to get those uh, sweet episodes downloaded directly to your mobile device. Take us on the go with iTunes and Stitcher. So we're al- it's almost here, David, the holidays. We're almost oh, there. It's has, it been, has it been stressful for you? <laughs> well, as you know, Doug, I've got a new human, uh, not really running around my house, but just inhabiting my house. He's about a month old. Um, so at this it makes point- it, sound, it makes him sound like a refugee. I mean, for all he knows. So uh, we're working on three to four hours sleep a night. And uh, anything outside of that is just, you know, is just extra. So we're all good. But, you know, the holidays are always a little stressful. Yes. You know, but they should be fun. They should be fun. That's true. I I think no matter what you have to do, for some reason, the holidays are always a little stressful. And it doesn't help for the hardcore Hornets fans that are in this room or the ones that listen to us, it doesn't help when the team isn't playing, I won't say not playing well, but I'll say not playing up to what we've seen them, the potential that we've seen out of this team. They're not shooting the ball as well, and it's resulted in four out of the last five being uh, uh, losses. Sputtering a bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, and the team now sits at 15 and 12 and unfortunately, this year in the Eastern Conference, that's only good for ninth place. If they're in the West, I mean, come on, guys. we got to do something about this lopsided uh, conference. Yeah, I, I know. Mean, it's, it's some, something has to be done, absolutely. <laughs> Someone Silver needs to step in, make some kind of move here. Now, you know, if we're the – in fact, the, the team that we just lost to, uh, the Houston Rockets – if if we were in the Western Conference, we would uh, be in a better position than than they are. Yeah, so exactly. It, it's weird though. I mean, we looked at it. Um, you look back at that Memphis game. It was such a blowout, and that was such a a a high from a basketball standpoint and a season standpoint. And then you had the uh, the weird letdown game against the Celtics. You had the layoff of the three long days. Uh, four, if you count the actual Magic game, which looks what looked like at times the Hornets took that one off too. Um, so they, you, you went into a lull there. You mentioned something. I think, thank goodness, they were able to hold on in that Raptors game, or it would have been this would be Five real straights. Yeah, this would be real uh, dire straights. But but they were able to get that win. But you know, look, the competition got a little better. Uh, they played a couple games on the road. Uh, they lost all three of those, Orlando, Washington, and, and last night at Houston. So it wasn't going to be all sunshine and rainbows until March for this team. 
Yeah, and I, and I think they are. Fortune, what have you? They aren't losing these games in any kind of devastating fashion, and it really hasn't, in my mind, been an effort issue. It's been more of a focus and a commitment issue to not turning the ball over, as we saw against the Wizards. The Wiz, yeah, too many careless turnovers, and and I think, and I saw this a little bit in the Rockets, especially in the second half too against the Rockets. It's not even necessarily a turnover that ends up being points for the other team, but I think back to Nick Batum's turnover on a fast break. He tried to get the ball into Kemba. It was three on one. I believe it was Batum, Zeller, and Kemba, and Batum throws it away, and it was just a momentum killer. It's kind of like a 10-yard mm-hmm. holding penalty right when you get into the red zone in a, in a NFL game. It's... It's a momentum killer. It's a drive killer. And I think we've seen a couple of those in the past couple of games. And we haven't seen this team get into the same kind of rhythm offensively that we were accustomed to seeing this team get into earlier this season. Yeah, and let's not forget Noel Jefferson for, for quite a while now. And he's a, and, and that's the thing. And, he's a rhythm guy. I mean, he is a he's guy. He's a rhythm that, guy, and he's, he's a legit part of the offense, obviously. <laughs> you know, I mean – they had success with Adam. We should probably stop talking about trading. <laughs> yeah. Let's just put that on the back. <laughs> let's put that one to bed for right now. <laughs> let's uh, let's just put that one. Yeah. So, you know, but there was a lot of talk. Hey, the game's moved on. There's no place for a guy like Al. Um, the Hornets are better with Adam. Look, they certainly moved, seem to seem to move the ball. But I don't, I don't, you know, we talked about this last time, but you can still run the same offense with Allen there. He's a piece of of how they do things. And I think you saw it, especially in the Toronto game. I was thinking about this. It stood out to me. They got back into that game. The Raptors did, A, because they started hitting shots, but but B, because the Hornets went completely cold, were taking jump shots, were getting nothing. How nice would it have been to have Al Jefferson to throw it to in that third and fourth quarter just to kind of stabilize things? Yeah, uh, I mean, having having a guy that you can get a post-entry to relatively easy. Yeah. Because even when Kimba and Len are able to drive past their defenders, it, it's not as easy as that post-entry. There's a lot of work. There's a lot more potential for a turnover when those two guys penetrate than there is when, you know, you get a Batum to, to Jefferson post-entry. So, yeah, I, I think there's – a little bit of a safety blanket kind of thing going on, a consistency thing going on that makes uh, Hornets fans, uh, I think they're starting to wish that Al Jefferson could get into a couple of these games. And and luckily, uh, the NBA uh, will give Al Jefferson back to the Hornets. Thanks, NBA. Thank you. Uh, for Christmas or after. It'll be a late, belated Christmas present from the NBA, giving Al Jefferson back to the Hornets. But going back to this Rockets game, you know, again, I thought they played a, a good first half. Mm-hmm. They shot 41 threes, though, in this game. And, uh, and franchise I, record, I believe, right? I, I th- they said it seemingly every game now. But do you think that's too many threes? I sort of posed this question on Twitter. Well, with Noel Jefferson, tweet. right? I mean, you might we might break it again before he comes back at this rate. Against the Celtics on the 23rd, you think we, we break it again? Let's go for it. Why not? <laughs> and the thing that uh, our— It's too many when they're not making them. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? And somebody said that last night on Twitter. But 
that's what this team does now. They're going to take those open threes um, and they're going to try and, and, and knock some down. I mean, it's been successful for them. It's how they've gotten back into some of these games. It's what's won them a lot of these games. Uh, but that's that's a franchise record for a reason because it's a lot. Well, and they made 12, uh, so that's 26%. You know, you want to see that that be up towards 30, 33 percent. Mm-hmm. But what I think stood out to me when I looked at the player tracking and it stood out to our fearless leader as well, Josh, uh, that the Hornets missed a lot of uncontested field goals. So a lot of the Marvin Williams, Jeremy Lamb, yeah. P.J. Hairston went two of nine from beyond the arc. Batum, I mean, he was Batum hasn't been the same. Batum has not been the same, I think, offensively since he's gotten sickness, six. Yeah, and that's but, another thing to remember in this little blip, this little, this little stumbling block here. He was sick. Was it the Orlando game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went out, wasn't feeling well, so maybe he's still recuperating. Who knows? So they're missing a lot of open jump shots, so they're getting good looks. But I think they also passed up several good looks at the rim. Some possible free throw trips, right? Lakemba driving, deciding to kick it out. Lynn, I thought, had a couple of good looks. Cody one time had, a, to me, a wide-open layup and and, uh, moved it out to the three-point line. And I think... Especially in that Rockets game, they could, again, keeping the rhythm going. The buckets were hard to come by because the Rockets were playing well defensively. I'll give it up to the Rockets. I mean, not just, you know, Patrick Beverly sort of has this aura about him or, or reputation for being a good defender, but I thought Terrence Jones, um, Clint Capella, when he was in the game. Jones was huge. Yeah. I mean, those guys played really well, especially that second unit, I thought played really well defensively, but the Hornets gave up good looks at the rim in order to get the ball rotating, and I thought it was just a little too a little too much. Unselfish. And you see a little bit of that from time to time with this team. We've we've lauded the the new ball movement and the new philosophy and it's so much better to watch this year and it's been successful for them. At times though you can see there's a shot there, and maybe it's early on, and it seems maybe um, Frank Kaminsky was responsible for a lot of this early on. I think he's actually gotten better, more comfortable with taking that three-pointer when he's got it. But you'll still see guys pass up you know, a, a shot that's that's open enough to try and get one maybe that's completely open. I hate This sounds like a lot of nitpicking, I mean, to, to criticize this team for, for being too unselfish and trying to get a good look. Yeah, but, but, well, look, but when you have a winning record, yeah. y- you have to start – yeah, nitpicking, and when when the team is losing close, I saw a great uh, tweet from uh, Nathan Walker on Twitter talking about how the Hornets and the Celtics, two teams that have middling records, a little above five hundred in the Eastern Conference, but both teams have large point differen- differentials in their favor, meaning they're either blowing teams out, as we've seen the Hornets do to the Bulls and and other teams. Or they're losing very close contests. They're not getting blown mm-hmm. out a lot. I think the, really the only one that I can recall from this season so far has been the Warriors game. And yeah. so I think you have to start picking out little things here and there that can – because you can't really – I can't really attack this team deeply on efforts, on you know commitment to – uh, a strategy. I mean, they, they have a good strategy, and we've seen it executed well, and we've seen them play with a lot of effort. There are just little things, carelessness and decision-making and shot selection that I think 
are leading them to this, either leading them to late game situations that can go either way, or failing them in in the clutch possessions. Yeah, and that point differential point you made is is a is good. I mean, that's good news for Hornets fans looking at this team and trying to find some positives from this five game stretch where they've gone one and four. Um, and you know, like we said, they're on the road, they're playing better teams. But they're still doing some of the right things that have gotten them into this position, which is still ahead of schedule. Fifteen and twelve is is good for this team as far as preseason prognostication. So I think that they're still in good shape. You don't want to be overly concerned. I mean, look, you lost to the Magic, um, who were on fire that night. You know, I mean, that's not a team that typically shoots that well from three no, and from mid range. Their bigs yeah, were, yeah. were knocking shots. Yeah. Down. And then, you know, you lose at Houston. That's a tough, that's still a tough game. Look, Houston is a team that has a lot of very, talent. Very well could have been in the finals last year. It has a lot they, of yeah. talent. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't have Al. So, I mean, and we not, haven't even talked about from that Rockets game, the, the, the amount of fouls that were called in this game and the amount of fouls that James Harden was able well, to draw yeah. on, on, on defenders. Let's on talk both. about that a little bit because, I mean, and towards the end of the game, Jeremy Lin was on him. Um, I thought he actually did. He was fine. Like, look, this Jeremy Lin was not brought in to stop guys like James. You, Harden. Well, you look. You cannot stop <laughs> I mean, James yeah, Harden. You can only hope to contain him. Is there is there one or two guys better at one on one than on the planet than James Harden? I mean, he might be the best guy. He's the best at exposing the new era of offensive rules in yeah, terms so of hand I, checking and different things. I have a hard time killing Jeremy Lin <laughs> for not being able to keep. James Harden under control, you know what I mean? And they switched Batum onto him late. Um, gosh, you just look over there and you're like, man, wouldn't it be nice if, if we could just throw MKG out there at him right now? Yeah, again, it's been a season yeah. full of, man, I wish I had player X at this moment in time. And you look at the the last play where he went in, drove right into Marvin, got a foul, of course made the M1. You know, you don't want him letting get that off. He's perfected that. He He is the best in the world at that. Euro step, driving into somebody, getting a shot off, creating contact, or at least looking like he's creating contact. That's a superstar call. He's going to get that. This is a superstar league. Uh, you can't really be overly upset when you go to a game like that and the other team has a superstar and he gets those calls. You just have to live with them. They're going to happen. You have to play the defense as, as best you can. When he's going at you full speed like that and he's into your chest before you know what to do, it's just tough to stop. So, Take all that aside, Doug, it was still under a minute to go anyone's game. Yeah. And 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 and, and those situations are are normally, you know, statistically hard to figure out. They're 50-50. It's it's possession here, possession there. Yeah. Which way is it going to teeter totter? And I feel like you have to love what you have from Frank Kaminsky last night and what he's done over the past month, I think, has been really encouraging. To see that from a rookie, I don't, that's not something we've really seen for a guy to come in and and, and be impactful. Yeah, on it's, the offensive end like that. Well, and we've seen this all year when certain guys are struggling, other guys step up in yeah. their in their place. So when Nick Batum and PJ Hairston are struggling, you have Jeremy Lin playing well, you have Frank Kaminsky knocking down shots and and at at crucial times in the game. And timing is everything in the NBA in terms of when you start your runs and when you end your runs and when you allow other teams to make runs. Yeah. And the Hornets had some some good timing, some fortunate timing against the Rockets. Another good point, I think, uh, was brought up by Clifford before this Rocket, Rockets game. 
And he said that he was talking about the turnovers. And he said there's, it's a combination of not being strong with the ball. And Kimba alluded to this as well. And also they're playing teams that are good at turning it over. So they've played Washington, they've played Orlando, and now the, the Rockets as well. Three teams that the part of their game strategy is ball pressure, turn turn the other team over, and get into transition. Mm-hmm. And again, I think you you have to give it up to the Rockets. They they knew there was no threat, there was no legitimate threat inside because the Rockets are good at protecting the rim already. And when you you pair that with the fact that there's no real inside threat, yeah, then they knew that they could pressure the ball pretty much as much as they wanted to. It was like a step under the Miami Heat in terms of how and they were and I've seen several teams do this now to the Hornets. They're pressuring above the half court or above the yeah above the half court line, and just taking away three or four seconds off the shot clock before the Hornets can't comfortably get into their sets and. You, you know, you've seen uh, point guards get up on Kimba again above the half court line mm-hmm. because the Hornets have been so good at setting these like double pin down type of action early in the shot clock and getting up in front of Kimba before he can get to the half court line prevents them from getting into that type of action because you know you, you can't run up and 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 get it into your you know first pass very quickly so. We're getting into that time of the year, David, where teams are starting to make their adjustments. There's, they've got more tape on teams. They've got more tape on individual guys. And you look at a guy like Jeremy Lamb, who we've seen a reduction in minutes and a reduction in role, and I think he's a victim of uh, – part of it is Jeremy Lin playing well, P.J. Harrison playing well. But I think part of it, too, is that there's there's a little bit more tape on him now because you saw early on, Lamb was getting to the rim at will, and it was a little baffling to me, Dave. I was like, man, wh- how has Jeremy Lin all of a sudden become this great, you, you know, driver? Yeah. And I think part of it was they did, I think teams weren't expecting it, and they weren't scheming against it, and they weren't prepared for it. Now they are. Yeah, and you're seeing some of that in late game uh, scenarios, late clock situations. The Hornets have had issues getting a good look when they really need it. Um Last night was another example. Kemba drove in and couldn't get a good look. But the next time down, Lynn to, to Zeller was a beautiful play, a nice feed mm-hmm. from both mm-hmm. of them. And then the time after that, uh, it was a perfect play. Kemba made a great cut to get inside, fed Zeller right underneath the basket, and Jones made a, a terrific defensive play, blocking that ball away. I think the clean. one thing – Yeah, it was so really clean. clean. And I think if you're Cody, you you have to – you have to – if he's going to come up, he's going into the basket. I mean, you, you you almost can't let that happen. I mean, you can't let that come in. I mean, he made a great defensive play, but wait, if, you really? I, say, I I'm, kind of disagree with you. I think I think Cody went up with strength. It was a great play. He's not look. Cody is. I don't know if Cody's ever been a guy who can. No, but I. But that's at that moment in time. It's like you want him to be cerebral. Just, you just, yeah, you want him to anticipate. That's the next level, though. I think for him right. as an interior, that's the next step. If he's going to be consistently that guy and don't get me wrong i think cody's been great i just and that's this is nitpicking well that would have been no that would have been a next level play to to anticipate his movement but they but the thing was on that play it looked like the hornets had them so beat oh it was perfect i mean it was a great play and i think when you're when you have to make those split second decisions that's why they're pros that's why they make the big bucks 
But I think Cody just saw it and said, we've got this. We've got them so beat right now. I mean, he went up with two. I, mean, I don't know what else he could have done except. Well, so except you want. No, I know. I see what you're saying. You know what the I next mean? level thing would have been to see. I'm not getting. To see that immediately and then fake up and under something. You know, Something. Like, yeah. Or just, yeah, it'd be a little bit. But that's a, another being strong with the ball thing that Clifford mentioned. Interestingly enough, turnovers, Hornets number one in the league. Right. No, it's this is there's there have been some things recently the best at not turning it over I guess right yeah. but and and but not in the past couple of games and yeah. again I go go back to what Clifford said and I think he's dead on here is that you're playing a couple of teams on the road mm-hmm. that Where those are amplified they, well and they you know you have Washington their back was up against the wall Orlando's playing well they, they've not they're not only playing us well. You know they played other teams well lately, mm-hmm. so you're just in a, in a certain in a certain sense it's situational, and you know Cl- Clifford after that Rockets game seemed frustrated with the result, but not necessarily frustrated with the play, and and if we know anything about Steve Clifford over his several years here in Charlotte. So that if he's frustrated with the play, he's not afraid to be verbal about it. Yeah, there was a lot of frustration. You saw it, three technical fouls, one from the bench uh, last night. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Clifford, yeah, the effort was there last night. I mean, they, they, were, they were working hard. They were just up against a team with a superstar and with a guy with, you know, is Howard still a superstar? I mean, a superstar talent, right? Dwight Howard, I think. He's still in that. He made some interior moves that were very superstarish. <laughs> And then you had a guy like Jones who was had a great game. So, yeah, that one is not one that I think you you can feel you know too too bad about if you're if you're a Hornets fan. I think the turnovers versus Washington are a lot more concerning. Um, as you mentioned, that's been kind of their formula: don't turn it over. That's 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 the key. That's the key to winning early. Well, th- there's that, and I think there's this certain sense that you know had you told. A lot of Hornets fans, or you told us that the team would be three games above 500, chance to go four games above 500 heading into Christmas. Hey, pretty good. Yeah, you take it. And and you don't know what's going to happen in the Eastern Conference right now. Records are good. You but have no idea. Who knows what's going you on? Also have, you also have somebody brought up a one of actually I won't say somebody. It was one of the original members of Podcats, Preston Neal, my good friend. He brought up a, a good point. That when you have two anomalies in Golden State and the Philadelphia 76ers, mm-hmm. there is going to be some mishmash in the middle because you've got one team that's losing every game and one team that's winning every game, and those wins and losses have to go somewhere. They tend to I'm right. no I'm no mathematician, but they tend to go toward the middle. That, that seems logical. Yeah, they are. Look, you're a game and a half. From second place, I mean, it's going to be like this for a while. No, and that's why you can't, you really can't. You you have to look at each of these games. I think from a from a standpoint of what what does this team need to get better at? Because I, I don't honestly like. I look at these games and I can't. There were there were some times last year where I and we discussed it on the show where we pinpointed certain things like we could make an adjustment there. We could get maybe this guy more playing time or this guy less playing time. But so far, I just I can't pinpoint necessarily a certain adjustment that makes any sense to me. I think partly it's because 
you have certain guys stepping up on certain nights and other guys dipping down, and it seems to be balancing itself a bit. But I think, too, it's because you you have MKG and Al Jefferson both out, and so it's it, it leave, th- those guys have such a dominant presence on a game, and, and they have such uh, unique talents that, you know, when you take those away, every move that you would make becomes amplified because the, the the negatives become more amplified and the positives become more amplified. And it's a big risk to make a move when, you, when you're missing two of your stars, I think. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is when I look across the, the, the spectrum of what this team is and I say, well, what if we did this or what if they, everything just seems like, you know, the team is three games above 500 it, that would be like a powder keg, you know? That would be like a little bit too much at this point in the season. Well, the good news is you got four game, you got a four-game homestand coming up. Um, you've got some tape and some stuff to get corrected. And you got Boston, Memphis, and the two L.A. teams coming yeah. in before correction. the New Year's. That, I love that. Corrective. It, it's, this team feels like it, it's in need of correction. Yeah. Not over-correction. Just, just, yeah. Because then you, you know, then you send the car into a tailspin and, you know, bad things can happen when you overcorrect. This is a big, a big stretch, though, I think, uh, because the schedule after the first of the year, you know, you hit the road almost immediately there. And so you'd like to go three and one here. I think that's got to be the goal. Yeah. Let's talk about, I promised it in the preview. Let's talk about Jeremy Lin and this article that. A guy I really really like on Twitter and on Hardwood Paroxysm and on – he writes everywhere. Sporting This article is on Sporting News, but he writes for Nylon Calculus as well. Ian Levy, at Hickory High on Twitter, wrote an article for Sporting News uh, and dives into positionality, which mm-hmm. is becoming, David, a big area of study these days with uh, guys like – the guys over at Nylon Calculus, they're doing more research and stats publication on how players perform at certain positions. So we really haven't – this is sort of a new thing where we're studying, which is funny because positions are becoming – at the time that positions are becoming somewhat less relevant, we're learning more about how guys perform when they're at certain positions. Right. That that And that's where these stats – I think get a little muddy is because you're I think the stats have to by nature make some assumptions about where guys are are playing whether yeah. it's center or power forward and anyway so uh, it, uh Levy takes a look at a few players around the league who split time at two or more positions and discusses where they statistically play better and Lynn is one of of the guys that he brings up because Lynn is split his time between point guard and shooting guard, mainly playing point guard in the second unit and shooting guard in the first unit. He's played 280 minutes at point guard, 371 minutes at shooting guard. When he plays point guard, his effective field goal percentage and his true shooting percentage up 4%. His points per 36 go up 4 points. His rebounding is down slightly. His assists go up 3.4. Steals go up 1.2 but the turnovers go up as well, 1.9. So 
it's these numbers. I see these all the time on our mentions on Twitter. Clearly, statistically, he's played better this year at point guard. You can't deny. It. I mean, that, that's right. what the numbers say. But what does this mean contextually? What does this mean for the team? Because I see I see tweets in in the the Hive Talk Live mentions that say Lynn plays better at point guard than shooting guard. Lynn plays better at point guard than Kimba plays at point guard statistically. Lynn should be point guard over Kimba Walker. Right. That's A equals B, B equals C, A equals C kind of logic. But I don't know if if contextually in a game that that really holds up. Yeah, I think the the thing that he pointed out in this article was, you know, there's been so much success with that bench unit and Lynn and Lamb. I believe the two highest, the highest scoring duo off the bench in the league. Mm -hmm. So that's where they've had a lot of that success, and it's allowed Lynn to play against that second unit of other teams, have success there, and that's gotten the Hornets a lot of wins this year. So to me, I mean, that, that that's what he was brought in here to do. Look, if if MKG hadn't gotten hurt and you know he hadn't had issues and, and subbed him in, he he probably wouldn't have played as much shooting guard, right? Um, maybe, know, maybe, who knows? But. Um, that's what he's brought in to do is be a, a backup point guard. And listen, as of, as of late, Jeremy Lin has played very well, and I'm he's not, yeah. starting to. That's the other thing. They're, he's starting to vulture minutes away from Jeremy Lamb, and I don't think that's necessarily been a bad thing for the Hornets. I think it's been a, actually. I think it's been a very good thing. Yeah, again, he played very well against the Rockets, but but even when he's playing the two guard, he, he's still play, he's still creating, doing the same things. He does a lot of the times, yeah. You know, at, with the ball in his hands, regardless of who else is on the court. And you're seeing him; he and Kemba played together has really worked out well. A lot of the times, I mean, especially mm-hmm. in that Toronto game. But it's not even about. I think it's less about Kemba and and Jeremy Lin playing together. I think it's more about who they play together with, because when when they get, yeah. Kimba, Lamb, Lynn, or Kimba, Lynn, Batum, and you get that three-headed pick-and-roll monster, and they can all three be a threat to get to the rim, that's when the offense has been clicking, yeah. even even late, you know, even lately when, when the offense overall hasn't been. That's when those three have been most successful. And, you know, I, I think, again, you just have to pick your moments. Look— Clifford wants to set a defensive tone early in a game. And he wants not only a defensive tone, but also keep Batum from guarding the best player on a team early on in a game to save his energy yeah. for later in the game. Right, That's not going to change. No, I don't think so. Um, like we said, he, he switched Batum on to Harden for the last couple of possessions last night, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're asking Lynn to do quite a bit. I mean, if you, if you look at it, yeah. create, play the two. And I think Lynn enjoys the role. And, and so look, far, he, it seems like he's taking very well to the role and playing some of the best ball that he's played in a long time. Right, and that's the thing. I don't understand. I guess, I guess that's what I don't. I know. Here, I'll say this. I understand the desire f- from some of his fans for him to start. To, start. to be the guy. I get it. I totally get it. But I, I would just say, in the spirit of, of the holidays and, and coming together, I would just say that he's playing some of the best ball in the role that he is currently playing. 
That's good. That's a good thing. Sometimes you can't, sometimes it's better. I won't say you can't. I'm just saying sometimes it's better not to fiddle faddle with a good thing. Right. It's worked out well for him. Um, there's also a reason the Hornets were able to sign him for $2 million, I think, right? I mean, the demand was not out there for him to be a starting point guard. It Might it be after this year? I certainly think he's going to have offers more than $2 million. Wow. Um, But, you know, I could probably get $2 million in the new salary cap scenario. So, But he, he's going he's gonna to have offers. He's going to be looking for a better financial situation. It could be here. It might be somewhere else. But I don't know that some team is looking at him thinking – that's the missing piece at starting point guard. And we're yeah, going to bring but Landon. at this moment, at this time, right now, he is playing very well and playing yeah. a visible role on this team. It's that's not, why this isn't that's a, why that's why he's in this article. He's playing well. Yeah, this isn't a quiet role. He nah. he's playing a very a, a crucial role for this team. And, and you know, articles have been written already this year where first first positions died, and I think now the the role of starter is going to be next. Well, it it really doesn't matter who starts. It matters who finishes, right? I mean, it, that's I think it cliche. only matters. I think it only matters to the players that that it matters to. I think yeah. certain guys still they hold that sort of high school basketball stigma. Like if you don't start, you, you know, you don't get the a starter. You don't right. get the chicks, man. Well, I think so. What are we? So we're, we we fall in line. At least I do. I've been thrilled with Jeremy Lin this year. I think he's been much better than I thought he would be. I think he gets killed for his defense a lot of the times. Um, I don't think he's an all-world defender, but I think he's smart. I think he works hard, and I think he knows, and I think he wants to do it. And he's got enough athleticism to be effective, or at least at least be. Um, he's not hampering anything with his defense. I, I don't think. I mean, if you're asking him to stop James Harden, you're not. It's not going to go great. Um, but he can come in there and do things for you on defense and at the same time create a lot of things on offense and surprise some people. And he does have ability to make shots. You know, he's not a knockdown jump shooter, but he's been really good with that jumper this year. Well, here are here are my defenses of Kemba starting over Jeremy Lin. And again, if you're listening, I want to preface this by saying I think Jeremy Lin's played very well. Yeah. But I think that Kemba has and this the statistics back this up, Kemba has been a better perimeter defender. I think he's quicker to the ball on closeouts. And when you're talking about a team that doesn't have a dedicated interior presence on the defensive end, that's crucial. You have to have somebody good, out front. Right. Without yeah. MKG, you, you, PJ Hairston and Kimba Walker have to be a wall on the perimeter. So far this year, defense, I think he's allowing about 30, 31, 32%. And Jeremy Lin's allowing a little more than that out in the perimeter. And I think that Jeremy Lin has done a better job at at finishing at the rim at yeah. uh, from the left, but I think Kimba Walker still if you check the heat map, still a little better from the left and the right. So it gives you a little bit more of that ambidextrous ability to go pick and roll from the left or the right. Again, Jeremy Lin done a better job going to his left, but Kimba Walker check the heat map that's all I'm asking. Check the heat map. It's just a nice problem to have, Doug. I it's mean, nice to have. It's nice to have too. Issues. It's nice. You know, we weren't arguing about uh, Brian Roberts versus Kim nah, Walker last season. And Kimba probably his best year as a pro. 
so far, right? I mean, he's made that little jump in percentages that you wanted to see from him, shooting the ball. Um, so it's just nice to have a guy of Jeremy Lin's caliber. I don't care where he comes from, off the bench, starting, finishing games. All I know is when I look up there in most of the crunch time scenarios, both those guys are out there more often than not, and they're making things happen. And Steve Clifford is going to deal with that this year with pleasure. And I would think try and talk Lynn into, into sticking around for, for another year or another couple of years. But that's a little bit down the road. I think everyone inside the locker room is more than happy with how things are going right now. All right. Should I, I'm going to go to Twitter here live. Now that we've had this, I haven't looked at, I haven't looked at it since we started this discussion. I'm going to take a look at it now. All right, here we go. First, uh, um, this tweet says, we don't want Jalen to start. We want him to play his game, get it through your head. Okay. I'll say climb into my mentions for a second because (laughs) this is – I'm not – I'm not – look, it's just reality. I've had – there are several people each game that uh, tweet at Hive Talk Live asking for the man to start. Well, I would say, yeah, but in response to that, that great. That's great. Fine. That's great. That, I, Keep tweeting I us. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, that that's that why we sense. have these That's exactly what we're saying. There are people that would like him to start. Let's just be clear on that. <laughs> I'm just saying, listen, <laughs> I wouldn't be, there's no reason for me to bring that up if it weren't a reality. I don't, I don't pick things out of thin air. I promise. I don't. Uh, let's see. If the three, uh, this is another tweet here. If the threes aren't falling, shoot closer. Three point shots are a fool's bet. If players fall in love with it, yeah, I mean, you would think there's been a lot of studies <laughs> that would argue otherwise. That would argue otherwise that the three point shot is uh, more efficient, even if you don't make as as many of them. I just think forty may be that may be a ten above. That's what I wanted to tell Josh, and maybe it was really late. I'd watched the game twice already. I was really tired. Oh. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. I did Do you have a newborn at home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called the Hornets. They're kind of like a newborn. They're they're uh, you know very young, learning to crawl, uh, learning to be a, a winning ball team. No, I so I wanted to say that you know I think eleven. If you're top three in three point attempts and you take eleven more than your average, it could mean that you're not getting to the rim enough. It could mean. That there are some issues, even if the even if the looks are good. Yeah, a lot of those were good. One is because you know the Rockets were, they were like ultra sinking. They were saying, "Look, they're walling off the paint," and you know. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot. I mean, too many. I don't know. I mean, it's a lot. They're not going to shoot that many every night. And if they'd made a few more, then they would have won. So you know, what are you going to do? We have another one here. Ask yourselves this. Are you complacent with where the team is at? If not, should they try something different? Am I complacent with where the team is at? No. Again, I think I go back to the point that I said. I think that this team is is in need of corrections within the current structure, not wholesale. This is not a – there are not deep issues like the Bulls have. No. First of all, they don't have their their starting center who's still out. And the Bulls have a better record, but they still have they have issues between players and coaches and roles and offense and defense. That's, but the, yeah. everyone that's the thing. If if that were the case, if guys were coming out and saying, "Listen, I don't know about this system. I don't know about what we're running here. I don't know about these men." No one's doing that. Even Lamb 
who has seen a reduction in his minutes. We've seen, we've heard nothing about that. And and get it, you know, listen, it will happen if, if there's an issue. Guys, are, that's just natural. Yeah. yeah. You just, sometimes you, you get frustrated and something pops out in the media. We just haven't seen that happen. Uh, yeah. So I think I think there are some issues that need to be slightly corrected, and and especially you can't overcorrect when you have Al Jefferson out. Listen, you have to wait and evaluate these kind of things when you have again over over ten fifteen game stretches, and when you have your full force. We're not even thirty games into this new style, this beautiful, gorgeous new style Hornets. I mean, think about what we watched the last couple of years. Uh, this is I'm not I'm fine with how things are going. I'm not fine with with these losses, but watching these games, seeing the opportunities that are there, the formula is working. It's not going to work. You know, you're not going to make all your shots. You're not going to win all these games. You're going to have to come every night. And in a couple of these games, they didn't they didn't come every night. They didn't come to fight every night. And that's you know that was an issue. But for the most part, they have. And like you said, there's just some little corrections, some teaching moments that I'm sure Clifford has pointed out, and you lo- you really look to see them bounce back against Boston tomorrow night. But look, four out of five games, you know, um, they've lost four out of five here of late, and they've played some pretty good teams. It's going to happen. All right, another tweet here. Uh, numbers don't always tell the story, but in this case, numbers and non-stat sheet factors say Jeremy Lin would be the better point guard. I think that, especially when you're talking about positionality, you have to understand that Jeremy Lin has played point guard in the second unit against second second unit players. Now, someone would then, I think, someone would then counter-argue that, of course, he played against second unit players. He's a second unit player. Give, Give him a shot in the first unit, see if he can replicate those numbers. To which I would say the same thing that we've said earlier, which is at 15 and 12, winning record, going into Christmas, there's there's no way in the world that you would throw a wrench that big into this situation. It's just it's, – it's not reality. It's a non-starter at this point. It's not – it's a non-starter. Um, but the stats are fun to look at. Listen, I, I – I can't tell you, David, or any of the people that are out there listening, I can't tell you as a Hornets fan how wonderful it is to have a second unit that can play ball because the past couple of years, it's a cringe type of thing when the second unit came Uh, in. It's a hold on. Hold on to your butts. Yeah. As Samuel L. Jackson from Jurassic Park You're watching the clock. You are just counting the seconds. When are they coming back? Please, can we hold? Can we just not give this lead up? and let the starters get back in and try to do something, this team has a whole new dimension, and you need to have that dimension. The Spurs have that dimension. Lord knows the Golden State Warriors have that dimension. Look, Batum had a horrible game the other night. He's their all-star. Well, oh, likely oh my all-star, God, I'm so right? glad you brought this up because this was the other point I wanted to make, and this is why I love Jeremy Lin where he is as opposed to you know in a, in a starting lineup situation because I think that each unit – uh, in the game, the first and third, you know, second and fourth, need someone who defenses can't easily scheme against. And I think if you look at the first unit, Nick Batum is that guy for the Hornets. It's tough to scheme against a guy with his length, 
with his shot making ability and with his basketball brains. Yep. Yep. Okay. I think Jeremy Lin is that guy on the second unit more than Jeremy Lamb, more than you know when when Cody Zeller was in the second unit, more than Cody Zeller. I think defenses struggle so much to scheme against his quickness. It's 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 one of those trump cards. His quickness, just like Batum's length, is a trump card. And you move Jeremy. I don't even think – I think Kimba has a lot of great assets, but I don't know if he has a trump card. Like I don't know if his – because of his size, even if he blows by guys, sometimes he, he struggles to finish at the rim. We've seen that, right? Yeah, he's got to work all the way. to Right, <laughs> to, to exactly. End, Everything has to go right. So I think – you you having that trump card in the second unit and being able to give him extra minutes and bleed that into the first unit it's awesome is a huge asset for yeah. the hornets yeah it's massive i mean that's what that's part of this recipe for success that's part of what's made them good honestly i loved i love talking about this and i love i love getting the tweets from from everyone from from uh People who are just overall Hornets fans and people who are fans of of Jeremy Lin and fans of the Hornets. I, I love this discussion because I think this is the kind of thing, that, this is the reason we started this show, is to go in-depth on these kind of things. You're not going to get this anywhere else. Again, it's a nice problem to have. <laughs> you got someone. And, but, but, I mean, you know, there are people that think he should be starting, and there are people that just want him to play his game. So um, I think the bottom line is right now, it's not even. It's not. It's not a question. It's not going to happen. I mean, there's too much going right right now, uh, despite these couple losses here to change things up that drastically. And that would be a drastic change. So Lin, Lin, his shooting has improved since early in the season. He was in a little bit of a slump, and then Harrison's shooting, aside from last night's game, his shooting has improved. And so we've we've seen Lamb take a little bit of a back seat. And do you think that that's an issue of just two guys playing better and taking a little bit of his minutes or from lamb from lamb a little bit of that a little bit of you know I don't think a little bit of come, come back down to earth maybe for for Jamie lamb um mm-hmm. it's gonna be tough to keep up his pace especially at the beginning of the year I don't think he can get back there but he's gonna have lulls so um, I think his signing was a long-term thing. So it's like th- yeah. th- this is a long-term investment in Lamb's ability to improve because I think his defense has taken a step back, and, and you got to wonder if the reduction in minutes may have something to do with that. The, just not getting – I mean, he was getting run with starters late in games, and I, and I think when you have those kind of situations, those game situations, it can help you improve – your defense because you you have to you you don't want to give up you know that crucial play in crunch time and we've seen his minutes fluctuate a little bit and, and you know his defense I, I think he struggled defensively against the Rockets and and it could be that's why we've seen his minutes reduce as well uh, but still yeah. so young in his oh, NBA yeah, I know. you know it, his it, NBA that's what I guess career. that's why I brought it up is like I don't think fans should worry about Jeremy Lamb's development just because his minutes are getting reduced you can't. I think fans so often want to like assign a reason or a story to to minutes reductions that has only to do with that player with Jeremy Lamb when it's probably most of the time it's a variety of factors when you're talking about rotation guys and the team we're about to play Boston Celtics that's a perfect example you've got guys I mean minutes are fluctuating everywhere in Boston 
And it, again, it, it has less to do with Tyler Zeller or Marcus Smart or Kelly Olynyk, and just more about how am I going to win this game tonight with these rotational yeah. players? Yeah. He's still going to get his shots. He's still going to get his chances. And he's still playing some key minutes. I mean, so I think he's still going to be a key rotation guy. And still the positives and the 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 um the, the possibilities of this signing working out well far outweigh anything that's that else that's going on in my mind. I mean, he's been he was so special early on and the signing looks like it's going to be a, a significant steal for Charlotte. So I think you just got to be patient with him because, like we said, this is his first real NBA experience with being on a team, being in lineups, playing significant minutes, playing minutes. <laughs> Forget significant minutes. I mean, playing with guys mm-hmm. and playing in key games, um, you know, that matter. So you, you got to be a little bit patient and you got to be, you have to, but you have to overall like what you've seen from Jeremy Lamb. Yeah, absolutely. And just. A quick comment on PJ Hairston. Do you think that? I mean, this was it was all supposed to be about consistency. That the consistency in his play was improving. That he was becoming more confident, and his performance defensively was okay. He fouled James Harden on on a couple of threes. Those were unfortunate situations, but certainly uh, the many many a, a better man than him has fallen victim to that. Yeah. Uh, but do you think two of nine from uh, – are you worried that maybe he takes a step back? I mean, to me, like forget forget subbing in Lynn for Kimba. I think if P.J. Hairston's consistency continues to waver on the offensive end, I mean, even with the the defensive improvements that you get, I mean, to me, like if there was going to be any – Maneuver, yeah, that you would make, and I'm it's not, I'm not calling for it. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's a high probability. I'm just saying if there's any maneuver, it would be to uh, insert Lynn in, in in favor of of PJ if his negative started to outweigh the positive. And that's yeah, that's when you'll see it. But as long as he's keeping, as long as Clifford likes what he's doing on defense, then I think he's going to stay in there. You you hope he can start hitting a few more. He hit a huge shot in the Raptors game, that's for sure. But um. You know, it's it's that's the interesting. I don't think anyone saw that coming or being as as big a conversation piece. Obviously, the injuries had a lot to do with that. But PJ, you know, he, the problem is you never know. You just don't know what you're going to get, right? On offense, from and him. and so okay, he was so confident. You understand taking the eleven shots, but when only two go in, you become you you become instantly less understanding. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Boston coming up on uh, the 23rd. Any thoughts there from the, this rematch? This is a big one, I think. And 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 it's because this issue with, with allowing, uh, to me, the biggest issue that this Hornets team has is dealing with, with point guards that can that can inflict the same kind of damage that Kimba and, and, and Jay Lynn can inflict. And Isaiah Thomas certainly did that. And uh, Boston's been an up-and-down team as well, playing well against the Hornets, playing well for stretches, and then all of a sudden, you know, losing two or three in a row. Anything you see with this Boston game? No Amir Johnson. That's positive. No Amir Johnson. Um, And you've got some tape to look at from last time, right? I mean, you got to know what they're facing. To me, this is the fun part of the NBA season, David, is these rematches that come up because the Hornets will also play the Grizzlies. And and you get to you start to see 
how Clifford is going to make his adjustments. Because now there's tape, now there's a performance. Let's see what Clifford does to keep, or and really let's see what the players do. That's the, that's the biggest thing because the Hornets at times have had issues starting these games strong. You know what I mean? Coming out and playing from 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 jump with a purpose. And to me, this game, you've got to get going on the right track. You're coming off two straight losses, four out of five. You've got four at home. You need to start this game and this homestand on a positive note, like you did against the Raptors. You know they can do it. I think that's something that the team, the players on the team, have got to get fired up from 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 the start to get out to a good start here. Here's what I would like to see. I would like to see them take advantage of ball pressure because you know it's coming. Avery Bradley is going to put the ball pressure probably on Kemba. I could see that. And and I think Kimba needs to take more advantage of Cody Zeller on the role as a role man because yeah. we've seen Jeremy Lin do a good job of of getting Cody Zeller the ball on rolls. I'd like to see Kimba do a little bit better job of trusting that. There were a few opportunities in that Rockets game that I thought he passed up, and, and I, I just thought, trust Cody. He's got good hands. Get him the ball. Let him make something happen. That ball pressure is going to come, and I hope that, that Kimba responds by – Taking that's the thing. I just feel like they haven't been able to take advantage of the ball pressure because if you're smart and you keep your eyes open and your head up, you can take advantage of ball pressure. So we'll see if they can do that. Can't turn the ball over. Uh, and the Hornets know, typically play better at home. Um, I mean, that's not a newsflash or anything, but you know, the Celtics in that last game were coming off a tough loss to the Warriors, which they felt a bit robbed from based on some comments by Evan Turner. They weren't happy with some of the calls that went down the stretch. So, you know, there was probably a little extra motivation for them in that game. Will they have it this time? Who knows? But there's got to be a sense of urgency for the Hornets, and that's something that hasn't always been the case throughout the course of the game, especially not at the beginning. And certainly out of the half. They have to, you know, they have to respond in the second half the same way because I think more often than not they've played well at the beginning of a game Mm -hmm. but coming out of the half I don't know what's they've got to figure out some way you know we mentioned they're not gonna have Al for for a couple more games here when the shots aren't falling they you know like you said driving to the basket trying to get to the free throw line they took what 31 or so free throws last night of course the Rockets take 41 Mm -hmm. uh with Harden but um so that's gonna be the key if the shots are falling everything's great but when they don't They've got to figure out some ways to make other things happen. All right. We're we're foregoing the NBA, the regular NBA pick segment because it's it's the holiday. It's Christmas week. It's Christmas week. And we wanted to talk about the the five big games on the slate. So let me go through them. Clippers, Lakers, Spurs, Rockets, Pelicans, Heat, Bulls, Thunder, and then the main event, the Christmas ham. <laughs> Cavs at Warriors. Yes. Unfortunately, it's not for some kind of streak record. Thanks, Milwaukee. Bunch of jerks. But now that's is that the that's the middle that's the middle game, right? Is the Cavs Warriors? Do we have times on this? I'm sure we do. You look that up. Yeah, I'll look that up while you're. While I say this, I I am a little disappointed in some of these teams because Christmas is supposed to be the time where we celebrate the the beginning of the season for the casual fan. I think right. And it's a great, you know, you get all of your 
your best teams together and, and your biggest stars. Well, they have the biggest stars, but I don't know if they have the best teams. I mean, e- each of these games, save for the, the, the main event, Cavs at Warriors, really, ha- they have some stinkers here. So, you know, Lakers, <laughs> the Rockets haven't played well. It's, again, a lot of talent, but they haven't played well, fired their coach already. The Pelicans, you know, God bless them. They, they've had a lot of injuries. But, and then the Bulls, we've already talked about it, playing well, but they have, you know, Jimmy Butler has issues with Fred Hoiberg. Uh, Hoiberg seems to be trying to brush it off best he can, but seemingly every game. You, Something you, weird is going. Noah's out for a little bit now, too. Yeah, so, and the, th- the Thunder are playing probably peak ball. I would say I, I see more... Uh, I see more tasty basketball out of Oklahoma mm. City right now than gold, than even Golden State. And last night, their game against the Clippers went down to the wire. I don't know if you caught any of that, maybe on the highlights. I but caught the highlights. Back and forth with Durant and Chris Paul and, of course, Westbrook. I mean, yeah, they play <laughs> – not a problem with urgency for that team. They, they, <laughs> the Clippers. The Clippers are a weird team too because I feel like when when they play at their absolute peak, it is they're one of the most beautiful teams to watch. But when they start to slip into bad basketball, it's bad. They can fall into some bad. Like habits, it makes yeah. my eyes burn bad. Well, so the rundown is noon. Pelicans at Heat. That's a nice little, you know, get your day started. You got your presents open. Maybe get some lunch. 2.30, heat, thunder. I think that could be a good one. What? Uh, Pelican. Oh, I'm sorry, Bulls, uh, thunder. Yeah, Bulls, Bulls thunder. thunder. Bulls, thunder. 5 o'clock, Warriors hosting the Cavs. I mean, that's the main event. That's, that's the one everyone's going to tune in for. And I think all this stuff that Cleveland's been doing, all this no-nonsense, get down to business – serious talk they've got Kyrie back I mean I think LeBron's had this circled on his calendar since since the finals was over last year and I think that's that's going to be a good one yeah absolutely no I'm I'm looking forward to that uh, you know finals rematch it's just it's just got all the makings of and I, to me I, I think what's interesting is that the Warriors have seemingly gotten even better than than the team, but they finally get to see the Cavs at somewhat full strength. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But and Kai, but you know, I, I think it, it feels like they're still. You always have to work in guys, you know, after injury. So unfortunately, that's why I say kind of full strength. There will be plenty of opportunities to make an excuse if if things go awry for the Cavaliers. But I think it should still be a great game. Oh yeah. All right, well, uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, we've we've had a lot of Hornets talk, and um, that's uh, you a lot know, of that, good constructive talk, guys. Let's talk about Lynn. Let's talk about some stuff. We we can all talk about things with each other. That's right. Well, and that's what the holidays are all about. And and I hope that um, you know everyone out there has a has a great holiday and and safe travels. And what's your favorite holiday food? Favorite Christmas dinner food? I love a nice big Christmas breakfast. Really, country oh, ham yeah. is that a country did, ham? Did you like country ham? Some scramby food? eggs. Scramby eggs. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and uh, then you know you chase it with some eggnog, and everything's all right. All right, folks. Well, we'll be back. No Saturday sit down because of the holidays. We'll be back next Tuesday to talk to catch everyone up on the action and and give more analysis uh, for David and producer Katie. 
stay bought in. Stay believing. These these losses are going to turn around, I promise. All hail the teal That's and purple. That's a guarantee. <laughs>